Welcome to Just Sayin', a podcast produced by and recorded at Tri-State Worship Center. Now here are your hosts, Allison Gardner and Pastor Terry Wagner. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Just Saying podcast. My name is Allison Gardner, and I'm here with my pastor, Terry. Hi, Wagner. Allison Gardner. Hi. <laughs> kind of interrupted me there. Terry well, Wet. Done. <laughs> it doesn't matter. All they need is my first name. Okay. Who's Terry Wet? I'm trying to protect my identity. <laughs> ah. Wait, what is that quote from The Office um, with Dwight? Um, Identity theft is a serious crime, Jim. (laughs) Millions of families suffer every year. (laughs) Hello, uh, hello, Allison. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm Terry Wagner. We were just talking about The Office. I'm sorry. Oh, you were. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, (laughs) we're also here with our sound. Bears, Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. We've lost it. Yes. We're also here with our sound engineer, <laughs> Tyler Staten. Hey. See, in. that's how you do it. You let okay. her finish your All right. name. Try me one more time. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's too you late had your now. Chance. You're the boss. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are wrapping up season two with our lightning round. Cue the lightning strike noise or whatever. Yeah, it'll be there. Some sort Noted. of some sort of noise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just whatever you want to throw in yeah. there. Tyler. Doesn't have to be lightning. Yeah. yeah, our lightning round and make a toilet flush. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tempt me. Oh, I just did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so if you're new to the podcast, the lightning round, um, we've we've done one before, and, and I guess we plan to do it after every season that we do, but basically these are just uh, listener questions that have been sent in, um, and we're just going to ask them at a rapid rate. Mm, ooh, mm. But I don't have to answer them at a rapid rate. Um, you do. Oh, Man, she's she's being hard she's a today. Tough cookie. Yeah, I love the alliteration though. Rapid rate. Rapid rate. I, I'm a big fan of alliteration. Yes, me too. Nice. I, I I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yes, you do. I do. You're right. <laughs> I right. was trying to play the not so smart one. Uh, yeah, you pretend to be a simpleton, but you're really not. That's for another episode. <laughs> For another day. I think that was one of the lightning round questions. Am I a simpleton? <laughs> Are you really a simpleton? <laughs> a simpleton? Yes, right. I have no electricity at my house. I have no power tools. Yes. Okay. So our first question. Yes. Ask it, is, it quickly. Okay. I'm, I'm trying at my best. At a rapid rate. Rapid rate. Um, I don't know if we'll have if this will air by November third. But oh, as sure of right now. now, it is pre-election. Um, so this question is very appropriate. But do Christians have an obligation to vote? Well, uh, just saying, the podcast is looking at the issues of now, life, and faith through the lens of Scripture, season one, season two. And so a lot of these answers are obviously based around uh, what the scriptures say. So, do Christians have an obligation to vote? Uh, plain and simply, I guess the, the real answer would be no. I know that might surprise both of you to hear me say that. But the only reason I say that is because the Bible doesn't specifically address voting because right. in the first century, Palestine, or 8,000 years ago in Genesis, you weren't allowed to vote. Yeah, you, you, you didn't. Here's your king. Yeah. You know, here's your monarch. Here's your ruler. Uh, and so the, the Bible doesn't directly command us to vote, but because 
you know, as Christians, we are uh, required to live right and, and live responsibly. I think the Bible tells us to be a good citizen, and good citizens should vote. We should vote and make our, our convictions known. Uh, I said this yesterday, that we should not vote politically, but that we should vote biblically. So we're not, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that says Christians should vote because, we, you know, those who lived in Bible times, they didn't have an option to do that. But I do think we're supposed to be good citizens. And, and just one example that I would give, the, the book of Esther, uh, there's just one verse, Esther 10 and 3, uh, where Mordecai, Esther's uncle, he was honored because, the Bible says, he worked for the good of his people. So there's just one example of, you know, that, that believers and followers of Christ and believers in God, we should be at least good citizens. And, um, you know, some people won't take the trouble to vote because they don't think their vote's going to count. And, you know, what I would say to that is, what if everybody felt that way? You know, you, you can't, we, we are part of a collective. And, and in the United States of America, we're part of a collective called the United States of America. And so... I think we all have the responsibility to vote. Christians have a responsibility to be good citizens. And because of that, I think we do need to express our convictions at the ballot box. And so, um, you know, I think the answer to the question is biblically no, but Christian ethic, yes. Hmm. What do you think about that? How do you like that answer? That was a wishy-washy answer, wasn't it? Kind of, yeah. Well, give me some. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, are those contradicting then? Since the Bible says nothing about it and then Christian ethic is different? Well, I don't think so. Because I think that, like in the New Testament, there's a scripture that says, uh, don't become a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. Well, you can say, you can interpret stumbling block as a lot of things. Um, I love fusion jazz music, right? I love it. I listen to it a lot. Um, but if I'm with somebody who is a, like, let's just say a young believer, new believer, and that jazz music is a stumbling block to them somehow, then I have a responsibility to turn it off. So the Bible doesn't say don't listen to jazz music because there was no jazz music in Bible times that we know of. (laughs) Now I have a picture of Star Wars, the cantina (laughs) in first century Palestine. That's weird. But, you know, there's not a biblical mandate say don't listen to jazz music. But there is a biblical mandate that says don't be a stumbling block. There's not a biblical mandate that says don't, that we need to vote. But there is a biblical mandate that says be a good citizen. Yeah. And I think part of being a good citizen, obviously, is is voting your convictions. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I would I would emphasize what does your what is your conviction about that? Like, what is what is the Holy Spirit leading do, right. you to do? Yeah, because there's not really a concrete answer in the Bible whether or not we should. Right. Well, I I, I think that you take some moral issues that are at hand in every election cycle, not just to, not just in 2020, but every election cycle, uh, abortion. Uh, same-sex marriage, some of those things that uh, are convictions to look for me, then I want my vote to reflect that conviction. And if I don't, if I don't go out there and express that conviction in a, in a vote, um, then I feel like I'm doing a disservice to my conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think yesterday in in the message yesterday, which quite frankly was very very good. Um, it was. I said, you know, the church sat silently in 1973 when Roe versus Wade and, oh, 
you know, the, this country would never make killing babies legal. And so the church really never rose up and made it. And, and of course, now we have abortion. Yeah. You know, the church never the church never rose up when they said, let's take prayer out of school. Church, oh, they're never going to take prayer out of school. And, and here we are. So I think, yeah, and I could go down a list of a lot of things like that, but I think we do have a responsibility as not just good citizens, but as good Christians, vote our convictions. Mm. Okay. Not not politically, but biblically. Mm. Yeah. So, second question. Oh, boy. If God's law was not given to the Israelites until Moses, how did Noah know what was clean or unclean? We are uh, speaking directly about Noah and the flood and the Lord giving him instructions on what to take on the big ark. And in Genesis chapter 7, verse 2, it says, Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee be seven by sevens, uh, the male and his female, and every beast that are not clean by two. So you take seven clean, two un- unclean, the male and his female. So I think this question generates from that because the law, Leviticus, wasn't written till later. Um, but John Willis, who's a, a really good theologian, and his commentary on that particular verse says that a law or a truth does not have to have its origin with a certain individual or a certain religion to be a vital part of the religion. In other words, he, he's saying that there, there are things that were done before Noah that were not part of a law but were the right thing to do. And so simply because God chose, us, uh, for instance, circumcision to be a sign between himself and Abraham's descendant, that doesn't mean that circumcision wasn't around before then. Right, so his, his argument is, and I kind of agree with him, is there, there was a law before the flood. We just we just don't have a written record of it, because how else would there have even been something considered clean and unclean? So it must have been something known even before Leviticus was written, um, and and that law was known before the law was written. For instance, Abraham. What did Abraham circumcision? That was a covenant between him and God. But the law was 400 years later for that to happen. So obviously there was a, I'll use the word precedent, there was something there that says here is what is a, a clean animal and an unclean animal. He did that before the law before the law was written. And, uh, but that doesn't mean it wasn't something that was understood before then. The last thing I would say about that, or at least the last thing I'll say before you guys can jump <laughs> in if you want to, the Bible is not necessarily laid out chronologically. You know, and I'm not saying, obviously I'm not saying the law was written down before Noah and then someone put the Bible in a different order. That's what I'm saying. But I don't think we should ever get hung up on, well, this happened after this happened because that's the way it is in the Bible. Uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of theologians don't think that Genesis was the first thing that was written down. It does record what happened first, but that, they don't feel it was oral tradition. They were just talking to each other about it. A lot of them don't believe that that was written down till Babylon. Yeah. And they said, you know, hey, our, our young people are beginning to forget our tradition. We better write this stuff down before they forget it. And that's really when a lot of people believe Genesis was, was, was penned. So I just wouldn't get hung up on the chronology of the books of the Bible Um as much as I would just realize that that some of those things were done before there was actually a written law that says do this or do that, it's obvious that that they were being done before that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Even yeah. with all the interruptions that I had in my brain there. It's okay. That's all right. It's it all happens. right. It's going to happen to you someday. That is possible. It is. <laughs> so our third question, was God's plan to share the word with the Gentiles through Paul, or was it the rejection of the Jews that made it happen? I'm going to ask you a question, Allison. Okay. Has God always been concerned about extending his love and his forgiveness to all nations and peoples of the earth? Has, let me say it again, because I could see that glare in your eye just now. <laughs> has God, now, okay, the question is, was God, mm-hmm. was his plan mm-hmm. to get his word to the Gentiles through Paul, which was uh, the reference there is that Paul was the first missionary to the Gentiles, mm-hmm. uh, or was it because the Jews, you know, and what and their rejection of Christ? Yeah. And so my question is, and I know you're not supposed to ask or answer a question with a question. Has it always been God's plan? Has He always been concerned about making sure that He extends His love and His forgiveness to all peoples of the earth? I think that in the long run, yes, mm-hmm. but during the time of the Old Testament and, uh, you know, before Jesus, mm-hmm. it was the Jews that were the chosen people. And I think that is part of God's bigger plan to save humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, yes. No, I, yeah, I'm a, I mean, I, I can accept that, but here, here's how I've kind of, down through the years, the, the, the thought that I have kind of formulated, and that is God chose the children of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. A lot of people are like, why? It's because he could. I mean, that's a simple answer. He's because God could. He chose them, and they were his people, but they were his people to represent him to the world. That's kind of the way I, I see that. Yeah. You know, people could, uh, other enemies of Israel or other nations around Israel could see what God was doing in the Israelites and then recognize their God it must be better than our God. It, again, I'm going Old Testament right now. So I, I think that, that God's plan has always been to extend his love and his forgiveness to peoples all around the globe. He chose the children of Israel to represent him to the world. Their rejection of Christ, the Son of God, then led to God saying, all right, I'm going to adopt or, or graft into the family, this other people group called the Gentiles. And again, I, I am a simpleton. I know we're going to we're <laughs> going to do a whole season on whether I really am a simpleton or not. Uh, and, and here's a simple thing right here. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. That's I mean, we could split theological hairs and we can arm wrestle and we could do all that stuff. The simple fact is. Am I a Gentile? Well, the only way to know is, am I a Jew? No, I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile. So when the Jews rejected Jesus, I think God just said, all right, we're going to engraft this, the other people group, the Gentiles, and help and let them help spread this word of God's love and God's forgiveness and his judgment and his mercy. So I, I think that Paul, uh, in God's sovereignty, obviously was part of a plan I don't want to say that that was an accident because I don't believe in accidents. Um, but but I think a, a full reading of the Word of God says that God has always been concerned about getting his forgiveness and his love extended to all peoples of the world yeah. and, and whatever it takes to, to get that to happen. Yeah, but the Gentiles weren't just like his second choice. No, like, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Because, you know, the first Christians, most of them probably were Jews. 
yeah. converted oh, sure to Christianity were. and not even seeing it as a conversion, seeing it as a fulfillment of their Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as you said um, in one episode previously, Christianity was a subsect right. of Judaism. Right. So I don't think that it was God's and like that God just changed his mind. No. Uh, whenever some of the Jews or most of the Jews now uh, rejected Jesus as the Messiah. I think it was always his plan to um, extend his love and uh, uh, salvation to all of us, mm-hmm. like you said. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes it looks confusing to us uh, as far as how all those pieces fit together because we're looking at the tapestry from the bottom mm-hmm. where all the yarn is you know, going in all the different directions rather than how God looks at it from the top, which he sees the finished product. And so whether it be uh, because the Jews rejected him and then the Gentiles were grafted in and now they became the mouthpiece uh, of the gospel, uh, whether it was the horrific thing that happened, uh, World War II and the Holocaust and what Hitler did there, but yet what he did brought the Jewish nation back together to say, we're going to be a nation again, 1948. Um, You know, I I don't think that was an accident. You know, you can read in the Old Testament how God did that to get the Jewish people to turn around and start looking at him again. So I I don't, I I definitely don't want to voice it in a way that says, well, I think that this was God scratching his head like, oh no, what am I going to do now? Because the Jews have rejected my son. Right. I mean, I think obviously he knew that. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't. I just think that that was God's continual plan. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a better yes. continual plan to make sure the world knew of His love and His forgiveness and how we could be restored back in the right relationship with Him. Right, because even from the Old Testament, we see prophecy of every knee bowing and tongue confessing that Christ is Lord. Right. So it was always God's plan for the whole world to know that He is our Savior. Right. Um, well, Just, and that's why I said that's why I said earlier that I think the reason one of the reasons he chose the children of Israel was to represent him, mm-hmm. not for them to keep it to themselves, yeah. but to be able to represent him to the world. And and so I think he's interested in all people, all people to understand his love and his forgiveness. All right. So this question gets a little personal. Is Jesus still willing to heal? And if so, is he willing to heal me? Not me specifically, but the person who asked this question. The who asked I question. am the voice of the people right now. So. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of dogmas out there uh, that claim a lot of things in the Bible have ceased. I could go down a list, not really going to take the time to do that because this is this can be a complicated answer. Um, and, and in all of those cases where people think that there are things from the Bible that have ceased, they've yet to be able to find a scripture that says that has ceased. Uh, the one I'll give you from our particular um, denomination, speaking in tongues, there are people out that says speaking in tongues have ceased, but yet there's not a scripture really that they kind of twist a couple to make it sound like it. And I say all that to say this. How many times in the New Testament do we read about Jesus healing people? A lot. <laughs> I had to hold up a, a card that said a lot. Uh, no, I didn't. And the, the healings that he performed, 
were physical, spiritual, emotional, uh, even financial, right? Uh, Simon Peter needed to pay his taxes, I think it was, and Jesus said, go down there, and there's a fish with a gold piece in his mouth. I mean, so Jesus performed miraculous things that I consider to be healings, and I'm yet to find a scripture that would lead me to believe that that's ended, right? He was healing people in all of those ways in the New Testament. I think he still does that today. As a matter of fact, I heard a great preacher preach a sermon, and no, it was not me. <laughs> For once. It, oh. <laughs> it, she could have really meant that, though. Um, and he basically said that healing still happens naturally, and what he means by that is the way God created this body. When you cut your finger, it healed, it healed back up, right? Naturally, medically, and, and this is one I've, I've used a lot, is that uh, if God uses modern medicine to bring a healing, that's a good thing, and all good things come from God. So if he brings healing by way of medicine, that's good. So God can naturally heal us. Medically, he can bring healing, but then he can miraculously bring healing. And I know there's people out there who would want to take me to task on this, but I have been part of people being healed. The Lord's allowed me to be in settings where healings took place in front of my eyeballs. And so, I mean, you you can come and say, listen, it ceased when the apostles died or it ceased when... I have been part of of seeing God do miraculous things, Uh uh, and I'm thankful for that. It had nothing to do with me, okay? I don't want, I'm not starting crusades and we're not going to rent a Coliseum in Cincinnati and have everybody come so I can. I'm just saying the Lord has allowed me to be part of that. And so I think it's really hard for anybody to, to try to convince me otherwise. Now, I, I think the real question or, or uh, the question that people are really asking there is why hasn't or why didn't God heal fill in the blank? Why didn't he heal my mom? Why didn't he heal my dad? Why didn't he heal me? Why am I still suffering with, and, you know, again, fill in the blank, cancer, MS, what, whatever the case might be? Uh, and, and that's a question w- with many answers. And so what I want to say is that we should uh, not confuse Isaiah 53, which I know a lot of people out there are going to, if they want to send me a message, that's what they're, uh, well, what about Isaiah 53, 5? By his stripes we are healed. If you, the the true understanding and meaning of that verse is not about our physical healing. Mm. And I know that's going to rub some people the wrong way. By his stripes we are healed is that we have eternal healing, spiritual healing uh, that's going to get us from this life to the next life. And so um, by his stripes we are healed with the subject of bodily healing can be a misunderstanding. Mm. But by his stripes we are healed, we can get from here to heaven. That's what that verse is all about. And so it's clear that Isaiah was talking about the wound of sin yes. that needs to be yeah. healed, right? Right. right. The, the more important wound Absolutely. than well, any yeah. physical. Absolutely. It's not about any other healing. Yeah. I mean, the truth of the matter is, and I've said this to people and... and uh, Anybody that doesn't know me, this might not. This may sound harsh to you or weird, but you know, I, I went in and visited someone with cancer who was an unbeliever. They they were not a believer, and my approach to them was: listen, it's not about another bag of juice or another surgery. It's about 
what's going to happen after this life. Even if the Lord heals somebody of cancer at 45 years old, 90's coming. Mm. <laughs> You're eventually going to leave this life yeah. and go to the next life. That healing takes precedent over any healing that, mm -hmm. that will or will not happen here. And, and does God still heal us physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially? Absolutely he does. Does he always do that? No. If he did, we'd have some people still walking around that are 500 years old, right? right I mean, right. at some point, we, we're going to leave this life and go to the next. I think that's the healing that Isaiah was talking about. By his stripes that he took on, on his way to Calvary where he sacrificed his life, he brought healing to us eternally, eternally. Right. And, and I think that's really where you need to land. Now, why God doesn't do it, there could be multitudes of, of answers to that. I mean, it could be God trying to teach us something. It could be, it could be God trying to show us something. It could be God, you know, uh, my, my dad was hit by a train when I was three years old, paralyzed the rest of his life on the left side. There were two times, and I know we could go back to season one, and I've already <laughs> said this, I know, but there were two times I specifically prayed for him think, knowing that God was going to heal him. My faith was so strong, and I knew that when I opened my eyes at the end of that prayer, my dad was going to be whole, but he wasn't. And to this day, I can't really tell you why God withheld that. I don't know, but I know this. He had ultimate healing yeah. about seven years ago when he left this life and went to the next. So um, I believe in healing. I believe physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, yes, but the most important healing is is that healing that gets us from this life to the next life with God, and that is what Jesus went to the cross for. He went to the cross to die for our sin, which is ultimate healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think? I, I agree. I think, I think the gospel is not about promising us to, that we're going to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. Ooh. I I just I, I and I know that that is really controversial among some people because that is one of the you know when I think of healing and I think of I I go to people who manipulate other people oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. based on the Bible uh, with healings you yeah. know people like Benny Hinn or any of those televangelists that are selling you the miracle drug right. um, that they've received from heaven. Because they just want you to be healed. Yeah. It, you know, the short answer is my grace is sufficient. Right. If God hasn't healed you um, or provided for you in some way, the answer is his grace is sufficient. Yeah. If he doesn't do anything else for us in this life, the cross was enough. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're not promised that we're going to be healthy and we're not promised that we're going to be financially stable right. always, but we're promised that we're never going to be alone. Right. And then we are going to reach that spiritual healing, the fulfillment of the healing yeah. one day when we, go, when we get to heaven. Yeah. So I think that that is the thing that we need to focus on yeah. more rather than what, can, what my flesh needs right. at this moment. So well said. For such a young lady, she's just <laughs> so well spoken. She's pretty sharp. And, and, you. and you know, the thing is, is uh, I think it was Garlington... He was a pastor, an evangelist in the Pennsylvania, I think it was where he's from. But he, he said, it's the reality of two confessions. I have a headache. Tyler has I a really headache do. Today. I really do have a headache today. He feels like there's something going from his eye to the back of his head. <laughs> he has a headache. I have a headache. And then there's this confession that says, I know God can heal me. Mm -hmm. And it's the reality of those two confessions. I know God can heal me, but I got a headache. Yeah. And I think that some people get, we can get out of balance 
by by focusing so much on, you know, why hasn't God taken his headache away? Why why am I not healed yet? Why am I? And and sometimes I think even that can distract us from what God's really trying to do. Yeah. I mean, it, the truth is, I'm sick, but I know God can heal me. So what? So what am I going to do in the in the gap between those two confessions? In the meantime, right. In yeah. the meantime, I have to just continue to live my life pleasing unto the Lord the best way I know how to do it, and let Him take care of of those kinds of things. And so I, I think that uh, that's not me trying to diminish anybody's faith. If you know, I I have faith that God will heal when I pray for people for healing. I'm, I am praying for ultimate healing, yes, but I'm praying for healing for their bodies or for their finances, for their marriage, for their children, mm-hmm. whatever the case might be. And I do yeah. believe that healing is available. But but whether the healing comes or not, uh, that's not going to detour me from trying to, to continue to do God's plan and purpose uh, while I'm here on this earth. Yeah. yeah. All right. So how do you deal with the unknown during a time of waiting on God to move? Boy, that's the Achilles heel of a lot of believers, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, uh, and it even kind of goes back to what you were just talking about, you know, in, it's that in the meantime, yeah. you know, what do I do? How, I think God, uh, and again, just the simple answer from the simple from man. From the simpleton. Uh, just saying, from the simple man. <laughs> I think God has three answers when we pray. I think one of them is yes, one of them is no, and one of them is wait. I think yes, obviously we like that answer, right? Yeah. Uh, no, we don't like that answer as much, but that's better than wait. At least it's a definitive answer. It's a closure. It's yeah. something that says, okay, uh, let's move on from that. But in the wait, that's that's really where it's such a challenge for us because we live in this thing called instant gratification, We've been raised in that. Even even in my generation, you're raised in that, that I want what I want and I want it now. And if I can't have it now, I'm going to lay on the floor and pound my fists and <laughs> cry like and pout. That's like Veruca, what's her last name? Salt. Oh, boy. It's from Willy Wonka and yeah. the Trunk Factory. She, that, that is the picture I get in my head. Yeah, well, I want it. Right. Yeah. Well, and I do remember that one. When you said the name, I didn't remember. Who, I had no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> she was a bad egg. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Literally. Okay. Uh, so I think that's where the, the hard part comes in. So th- there are times in prayer, and for multitudes of reasons, we must wait. So what do we do? What do we do in, the, in that time when the Lord is saying, he hasn't said yes, he hasn't said no, but there's just this wait. And, and it's so hard for us because we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to wait for anything. There's a generation that's coming up, and I'm not going to point to either one of you, okay? <laughs> There's a generation coming up that they want what their parents have, but they want it now. Right. They don't want to work for it like their parents got it. They just want it now. Yeah. And that's just, again, I think it's part of human nature. That's part of who we are. We don't know how to wait for anything. But then there's times when the Lord says, wait. So what do we do? What do we do in that time? I think, number one, we pray. <laughs> Well, but we're waiting for the answer to prayer. Well, don't stop praying. Just yeah. keep praying, right? Uh, I think secondly, we we when we can't hear what he's saying, let's go back to what he already said. Let's get in the word. Let's just continue to read. Let's continue to pray. Here's a third thing I would say, and this is a, this is hard for some people. We need to surround ourselves with the right people 
that are going to encourage us in that time of waiting rather than discourage us in the time of waiting because it's going to happen. We need to surround ourselves with people that can talk with us, that can speak life to us, that can encourage us and, and even press us at times to continue to wait because sometimes that's what we've got to do. And in those times, if we'll do that, pray, read, surround ourselves with the right people, then we will exercise the muscle called faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not yet seen. And when God says wait and we learn how to have a little patience, that will exercise that muscle of faith and we will see at some point the evidence of things not yet seen. It, it may not happen while we're praying in that moment, but we, we will eventually hear God's answer if we can just be patient and wait. And, and, and you know, patience, that's a whole other episode, isn't it? I mean... Well, like yeah, I think probably two episodes ago uh, when you were talking about walking in the I don't know. That's mm. that's that's essentially what that is. You don't know what the answer is going to be yet, but you, that doesn't mean that you you know one you don't give up on God because what it, else we got exactly. And um, but in the mean in that meantime, I think it is. Um, and this even goes back to season one. We do have a responsibility to to get up and do something in that meantime. Yeah. Be prayerful. Yeah. Um, encourage others. You yeah. know if. Sometimes I found, and this is just in, in life in general. Sometimes when you're in, being encouraging to somebody else, sometimes you end up answering your own questions. Absolutely, you know, um, yep. reading scripture, you know, maybe even praying for somebody else, and then and then all of a sudden you're hit with that uh, revelation, you know, in your own life. So yep. I think the the worst thing we can do is just sit there on our hands and yep. somebody, know, not do anything. I was talking to somebody earlier today that was they they want they asked me the question, what do you do? When you're praying about, you know, what God's will is for your life, but he hasn't answered yet, what do you do? And and, and my answer, again, just a simple answer, <laughs> find something that you can do and yeah. do it yeah. mm-hmm. until you know what God wants you to do. Do something. Don't just sit around. I mean, it's the old saying about the guy who laid in bed in the mornings and said, God, if you want me to get up, you get me up. <laughs> you know? No, yeah. God wants you, to get, yeah. wants you to get up. God wants you to take a breath. God wants you to do whatever it is you can do. Right. And so I think, you know, like a person is praying for God's will and they still don't know what that is yet, find something you can do and do it. Yeah, that's a it's actually a book that I've been recommended um, by Kevin DeYoung, um, Just Do Something, mm-hmm. A Liberating Approach to Finding God's Will. I'm sure he stole will. that from me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just giving you a recommendation here. Just saying. If you're trying to find just God's saying. will, there's a book about there's it. There's a book. <laughs> yeah, right. it's called The Bible. Mm, true. <laughs> Just, True. Uh, no, I, I I read. I am a reader. You know me. Mm-hmm. I'm a reader. Yeah. And uh, I, I read a lot of neat, neat stuff. And I, I, that's probably one I'll try to get hold of because mm-hmm. I do think that in the waiting, do don't just sit there. Do something. Get up and do. It's like the the lepers that were outside the gates of the city and they were starving to death. This is an Old Testament story. Uh, they were starving to death, and and one of them said, "Listen, we can either sit here and starve to death, or we can at least go in the city to see if somebody will give us something, yeah. right? But let's do something. Do let's something. just not sit here." Yeah. They got up, went to the city. Everybody was gone, yeah. and so they, you know, they were able to go in and get what they need. <laughs> so let's, you know, do something. Do something. Right. 
All right. So I, I don't know what the scripture is, f- the basis for this question. You probably have it written down. I, I don't have a scripture for it. Sorry. But um, I, I just didn't know if it came out of a specific no, it came actually not. came from a pastor friend of mine. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So it says, <laughs> if you have a Christian man who has been divorced and he marries a woman who has also been divorced and is not a Christian, is he living in adultery? Whew. Man, let's <laughs> pray about that's that. A soap and opera just right wait. there. <laughs> and wait and see what the Lord says. <laughs> yes. yeah. uh, a, a couple of things. Uh, first, wow, what a question, wow. right? Uh, but first, I need to say that that while God has made provisions for divorce, He still hates it. Hmm. Made provisions for it, but He still hates it. So I, I'm not denying that divorce. It's part of our landscape in, in our world. I, I realize that. And I'm not saying that marriage is easy. Uh, but before I try to answer that question, I do want to say that quitting is the easiest thing to do because anybody can do that. Yeah. And so I, I want to encourage anybody that's struggling in marriage, find you a counselor, find you some help, and don't allow your, your marriage to to get to a place where we try and answer a question like this. Okay, so that said, people remarrying after divorce, I don't think is so much the issue as it is that apparently this guy was a believer and married a non-believer. Yeah, I mean that's right. what it, that's what it sounds like that that the question is. So, Allison, before I give my answer, what what would you say to that part of the issue? That, that obviously this was a believer who who for whatever reason ends up divorced. And he marries someone who's been divorced, and that person's not a believer. Yeah. And now they're having trouble. Right. Well, you shouldn't have married him in the first place. Join us again next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the time we have. Um, I'm, I mean, the Bible's clear about that, though. Like, I mean, we talked about it in our dating episode right. specifically. So right. if you want to hear more on that, you can go back to season one. But. Yeah. Unequally yoked relationships is what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. I mean, if your faith is the most important thing in your life, you're going to want to marry someone whose values matches your own. And uh, when you marry someone who who doesn't have the foundation of your life, who doesn't understand your uh, reason for living, I think that's going to raise some trouble. Absolutely. I'm yes. just saying. Yeah. Oh, I, ooh, she did it. She <laughs> threw it in there. No, I and I agree with you. One, that's why I had you down on my paper to ask Allison, mm-hmm. what would you do? Because I knew that's what you were going to say, because I think that's that's the reality of it. Right. Is And, and so to me, the you know, a, a guy who was a believer that got divorced, that married uh, another woman who's been divorced, who, who apparently is not a believer, you are just asking for trouble. Mm. You're just asking for struggles. And, and again, I, I know there are people probably, I hope there's people listening to us that, that are in that situation where you have unequally yoked uh, uh, spouses. That, that's not the end of the world. Right. We can remedy that. Right. Right? We can re- just come right. see me. We'll be glad to remedy that. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. But when you do that, knowing I'm a believer, my spouse is not, this is going to be trouble. I have no idea why these two people got divorced from their first spouses. Okay, uh, and that makes it really difficult to speak to some specifics here because we don't really know the backstory on either one of them. But I do know this: sometimes we set ourselves up for failure when we don't deny ourselves. Hmm. When we don't deny what might be again back to instant gratification, 
Uh, and, and if you're thinking, I'm thinking about intimacy and sexual relationship, that's, that's, that's got nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I'm saying that when we find ourselves in a position where we're lonely, I get that. Uh, God said it's not good for man to be alone, so he created Eve. I get the relationship. But when we get to a point where we're willing to set aside any convictions that we have, any beliefs that we have just to not be alone, mm. that's going to be a struggle. Yeah, you know? That's going to be bad news. And, and I said this yesterday. I don't know why I'm, I'm preaching my sermon again today. <laughs> we, we would rather satisfy our desire than feed our need. Right. I, and I think in a situation like that, there's someone trying to satisfy their desire not to be alone, to have someone to share life with. Again, I get all that. That's why God. It's good desire. Yeah. yeah. But when I do that and, and just to, to satisfy my desire and forget about the real need here, which is God needs some couples to come together to be a good example to the rest of the world of what it is to be a godly couple. Yeah. And when you don't have that, you just set yourself up for such struggles. And that's why, again, that's why, go back to episode one, that's why it's not episode one, season one, and find that episode. That's why it's so hard to try to share that with young people today, because they don't want to talk about what the real need is. They just want to know, how can I satisfy this desire, and I don't want to be alone, so I I want to team up with the first person that comes along. And that may not be the right way to look at that. Yeah. No, it's not the right way to look at that. So in this situation, I just think that, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say it's not, he's not living in adultery because I don't think adultery would be based on whether his second spouse was a believer or an unbeliever. I don't, I don't, I don't know where the thought process comes that somehow that the equation equals adultery if there's an unbeliever or a believer. But I do know this, that's a mess until you get God in the middle of it. Right. And, 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 uh, in the words of the great prophet Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Maybe they were referring to adultery in terms of you are adulterous in your relationship with God, I guess, because you are giving a that's part a of yourself point. to yeah. a person that doesn't believe and you're investing in a covenant relationship with someone you shouldn't be in a covenant relationship with. I guess yeah. that could, uh, and and again, that could be it. And since yeah. we don't know the backstory, it's really right. hard for us to. Right. But that's a great point. Is that he, you know, this person knew that I'm already divorced and I'm going to marry someone else's divorce who's not even a believer that believes what I believe. And am I now right. in, in an adulterous uh, relationship with God? Yeah, yeah. Which I think would be even more scary. Yes. Yeah. Right? Right, right. So our last question is, Woo. Jesus said to obey those who have authority over you. If those that are over us uh, who have authority say that something is right, I'm going to say, but the Bible says that it's not right, where do you stand? All right. The, the quick answer, because we are bumping our time frame, mm-hmm. we are under no obligation to obey any authority that expects us to do anything that would be in violation of God's word. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. We are under no obligation to obey any authority mm-hmm. that expects us to do something that would be in violation to God's word. Now, a lot of people use that as an excuse not to obey the the, the government authorities and so forth. Uh, in, inside the church, there's there's Hebrews 13, 17, right? Obey those who are over you in the Lord. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. That, that obeying those who are over you in the Lord is literally obey, okay? Two other scriptures real quick. Romans 13, 1. Let every soul be subject to governing authorities. There is no authority except from God and the authorities that existed that are appointed by him. 
First uh, Peter chapter two verse thirteen. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority. So some people have referred to those passages as clobber scriptures. You're going to clobber people with this when they say, I don't have to do what the government wants me to do. Mm. And we're living in a time right now where people are definitely that way uh, because they feel like that, that those scriptures crush uh, any kind of dissent or protest or social uh, civil disobedience. And, and if you, we don't have time to unpack it all, but let me just say there's two words for um, obey, one is submit, one is subject to, be subject to, and one means literally to obey. That's the one in Hebrews 13, 17, obey. Uh, but there's this other word that means to arrange stuff respectfully, to be subject to, to arrange yourself respectfully. It goes back to being a good citizen, back mm-hmm. to question number one, that we should do things in an orderly manner, okay? And so while Paul and Peter in those two passages both could have used the word obey in, in the original language in the Greek. They didn't. They used the word subject. Mm-hmm. And the word subject is I should arrange stuff respectfully in an orderly manner. I should have my life in an orderly manner under the laws of the land. But when those laws of the land are calling me to do something outside the word of God or that is in violation to the word of God, I, I don't have any uh, obligation to do that. So, um, and the example I'll just give you real quick, and then and I'll I'll try to shut up. Um, Paul, Peter, some of the other disciples, I mean, they all broke the law of the land, right? Because right. what they were doing, they felt like was a conviction of the word, right? Even though we didn't have the word as we know it now, and I, well, I say the word Jesus is the word, and so they they went in there, but when they violated those laws. They did so knowing there was going to be a consequence, and they were willing to pay the consequence, even if that meant going to jail, hmm. all right? So they did that. They, they, we don't read about them uh, you know, throwing their arms up and trying to fight people when they were coming to arrest them, right? They, they were orderly, in an orderly manner, subjected themselves to those laws. And so that's, that's really the picture of both sides of that, of that question is, I'm not going to do it. I don't have to do anything that violates the Word of God but sometimes when I do things that violates the law, it's in line with the Word of God, and I have to be willing to, to pay that price and yeah. take that concept, whatever that might be. Uh, it might be people showing up out here on the parking lot protesting our church, and, I mean, because of something that we're saying right here, uh, and I have to be ready for that. It, but it also could be, you know, hey, uh, if, you, if you go outside without a mask on, you're going to go to jail. What do you do? And, and I'm not going to answer that. I'm not answering that question. I'm just saying, <laughs> there you go. That, yeah. You know, that's a current, re- right, uh, right. relevant situation that we have to deal with. Yeah. yeah. I think about the pastor who was arrested. Um, I don't know where, I don't remember what state it was. Uh, Somewhere out west. It had a, yeah, it was out west and it had a European city name though. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Well, here we go again. Someone someone yeah. sent us a message and remind us, but the they were having a gathering, singing hymns without yep. masks on, yep. and the pastor was arrested outside. Outside, yeah, in a parking lot. Right, right. So and got arrested. Yes, I would say my last thing that I would say: the Bible is our ultimate authority. Absolutely. And all of our other authorities are subject to the ultimate authority. Yeah. Um, and if they aren't aligning with their ultimate authority, then we have the right under God's law, not just constitutionally, which we also do to, you know, rebel and uh, usurp that. But uh, we have the right to uh, go against that if it's not in line with God's word. Yeah. 
So, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I, I think, you know, the whole separation, church and state, I know we don't want to get into that. that was, that's not in the Constitution. That was a letter that Thomas Jefferson had written to a Baptist church that had asked him the question about churches and, and how it, it relates to government. So I think that, you know, if, if the government was to come in and tell me what I am supposed to preach, mm-hmm. I'm not obeying that. Mm-hmm. I'm not following that um, because that's in a violation to God's word. And, and people say, well, listen, you know, it's church and state church. Listen, God's word, and Allison said it, and I just, I just want to close that, the, the uh, book on that, on that conversation. She said it, and it's true. God's word, ultimate authority. No matter what, uh, no matter what the government says, God's word. And you, but here's the thing: I think that the church has become weak need because we haven't made that our ultimate authority. Hmm. Well, yeah. I think I think instead woke. of we mm, become woke. There you go. Yeah. We we should become woke on the word of God before we get canceled. Mm. Oh, yes, Canc- We should rejoice in being canceled there. for Christ. We're going to make T-shirts. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Podcast of Tri-State Worship Center, just saying, canceled for the cause of Christ. <laughs> All right. So that was great. Um, this wraps up season it's two. Crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. It's so we, I guess we will see you guys uh, when season three airs. Keep listening. We love you guys. Send in your questions to twagner977 at gmail.com. See you later. Thank you, Allison. Bye. <laughs>